the title of my lesson today, I bet you know what it is. Lessons learned. You know, I was talking to somebody this week and, and they asked me, what, what season do you think that the church is in? We've had a long winter. You know, I read a series of science fiction, series of three books, and it was Earth and, you know, just eternal winter. I felt like eternal winter was Friday and Saturday, and that was only for like a little bit over 24 hours. But then my daughter was 30 below, so I felt better. You know, I mean, six below felt like a heat wave. But I feel like we're in springtime. Spring is pretty ugly. When it gets to be March, and hopefully you don't get any snow, but you get rain, and stuff's not quite starting to grow yet, and there's no leaves on the tree, and there is mud everywhere. But there's the hope, because we're moving forward in new growth, and that's where New Covenant Community Church is. You know, God says, I got, I got good things for you, and, and we're going forward. So today, I want to talk about lessons learned, and I'm going to read from 1 John. And the thing I love about John, is, that, and I've shared this before, in his early days, he was a son of thunder. And I spoke on a message on this up north, and they gave me a fake tattoo that said, Son of Thunder. And they gave me a picture frame with a heart with a dagger through it. It said, Son of Thunder, and the picture frame had a bunch of studs on it. Now, that's cool. But then John went to be called the disciple of love. And I mean, I'm sorry, how wimpy can you get? But that's who God wanted him to be. So he writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever, has, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. How are we supposed to act toward one another? Think about it. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Love, God, let us love. How do we move forward as a church? We have plans. God, did you see our new logo? We're going to do a new bulletin. We're going to do a new website. We might even put banners on the outside of the church. These are good things, Lord. Without love, without real, genuine love, so that when people come in our doors, they know it's safe, without compromise, I might add, we will go nowhere. We can build a $50 million Christian cathedral, but if we don't have real love, it's nothing. Lord, I thought about renting the movie theater. We might have stale 
soda on the floor and old popcorn. But if we love, that will draw people. For your love is divine. Your love is perfect. Let us surrender to your love so that we understand how we are to interact with other people. In your name, amen. You know, for Christmas, I was given a book, um, Peter Frampton's autobiography. Who's Peter Frampton? If you're my age and you haven't listened to this album, you need to repent. I mean, you could not have been a teenager. It came out January 6, 1976. You couldn't have been a teenager and not have this album. It was the highest selling album for all times. Now, one of the things that I, I, I looked as I, as I read his autobiography, he went from the mountaintops he went to the pits. He went from having the highest album to being ripped off of $8 million and just really becoming a nobody because he let other people dictate what he was supposed to do and it didn't come across. Isn't it interesting, and I'm talking about lessons learned because I wish I could go back in time and speak to me decades earlier. A, as a parent, there's things, there's mistakes I made and I have repented to my kids that, that I wouldn't have done. And there's things as a pastor that I wouldn't have done. But there's, there's things I wish I knew, and the biggest lesson was to get over yourself and let God have supreme reign in your life. Yeah, and that's why I like John. You know, if you look at the Bible, you look at Peter, and you see how the Holy Spirit and God changes him. This is what God wants to do with us. You know, in pre-service prayer, I liked what Tom Herbert was praying. He prayed, you know, we need to be spiritually fit. For us to move forward as a church, we need to be spiritually fit. If you're not praying, if you're not reading, I guarantee you are a spiritual couch potato. Because God tells us we need to read. We need to be in prayer. We need to be with him. I love seeing the transformation. What we have to do is we have to live and we have to love God's way. You know, we are working with a local company. They did um, that thing, the logo, and and we're doing some other things and other ideas. They're going to help us with the bulletin. They're going to take over the website. And I'm excited by that. Fresh ideas and moving forward. But we have to get involved. We have to be involved with the gospel. We have to live and love God's way. You know, one of the things I found out as a Christian is I'm going to come across people that they don't believe the Bible, that they say things they shouldn't say, and you know what? I'm still going to love them. They're going to live lifestyles that I don't agree with, and I hope they come in the door and that we love them because as I build that bridge, then I can speak truth to them. Too often we think that we have to speak truth to them before we have relationship. And while God sometimes does that, love, perfect love casts out all fear. When I have a relationship with somebody, it opens up doors because they know I care. So the first point I'm going to make today 
is we need to live a life safety first. It has been estimated by youdiscovermusic.com that over 100 million love songs have been recorded. That is not an exaggeration. Insider.com says Whitney Houston's 1992 I Will Always Love You is the number one love song of all time. The point is, love is important for human beings. You oldies, you know Ringo, Paul, George, and Paul, and John told us, all you need is love. La-da-da-da-da. But I want God's love. I don't want superficial love. You know, human beings need love. Conflict arises when we move away from the one who created love. We get in relationships that aren't set the way he wants them. We wonder why they don't work out because God has one way, we have another. Here's how you should live your life. Your first priority has to be God. Your second priority has to be who? Everybody else. Your last priority is you. You know, we had a, we had a prayer meeting on um, New Year's Eve. I had some, we had some previous things we had to do, so we came for like an hour, a little bit over an hour. Can I be honest? I was tired, and I didn't want to be in a... Don't record this, kidding. I didn't want to be in a prayer meeting on New Year's Eve. I'm human. Sue me. We came, and it was so cool. There was such a peaceful spirit. You know, and sometimes, let's face it, you, you know, you're in a prayer meeting. Like years ago, this church, I hate to admit we did this, but we went through a book, maybe you remember it, The Hour That Changes Prayer. And it broke it up into 12 five-minute segments. And, and I remember it really was the pits in my eyes because, oh, I'm supposed to pray for five minutes? Oh, wait, I did it for six. You know, or it, it, was, too, it was too legalistic. So anyways, we came that night, and sometimes, you know, you, you pray, and it just flies by. Sometimes you pray, and it seems like forever, and 12 minutes have gone by. But that meeting that night was so powerful. Because the Spirit of the Lord was just here, and it was just a bunch of people around the room, man, soft music playing. We, we just prayed. But, you know, one of the things that Jan um, Herbert wrote me that the Lord really spoke to her and reminded her is, our identity is in Jesus Christ. If you want a happy life, if you want peace in all circumstances, your identity has to be Jesus. When God looks down at me, who does he see? He sees Jesus. If he didn't, I wouldn't be heaven bound. When I gave him my, my life and I said, man, I need you in my heart, God. I'm yours. I surrendered to you. I am now the son of God, not Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I am now his child. So he looks down and he sees perfection and he sees righteousness because I have the Holy Spirit. I have Christ in me. We need to reflect on what John wrote. He says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Now, some people, it's easy to love. Some people, it's not. Maybe you should spend your time with the people it's not easy to love. 
Maybe God wants us to reach out to those that at times can be a thorn in the flesh. That, that those that we just have disagreements with. I've shared this example too often, but you know, years ago when I did this wedding up north and um, at the rehearsal dinner, they sat me next to this guy who works at the Big Bang Theory. He works on evolution in Cornell. And the bride and the groom were nervous that we were going to come to fisticuffs. I mean, they were seriously nervous. We had a great time. We just sat there and talked for like two to three hours, and he knew my point of view, and I knew his, but, you know, we didn't throw food at each other. We, we just had a great time. See, I can do that. I'm not threatened by other people's point of view, because I know my point of view, and it's right. How do you know it's right? Because the Bible is my point of view. I'm not going to be threatened by others. God wants us to love them. The first book of Beaumont is going to be added probably to a new edition of the Bible. It says, love is not on Facebook. Maybe we should all give up Facebook. Boy, does that make you nervous, huh? I have to be careful how I interact with other people. I want them to see Christ in me. Church has to be a safe place for people to come in. When I'm pastoring and I had a witch come to my church, guess what? I didn't melt because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. If you're an atheist, if you're a Satanist, I ain't going to shriek. I'm going to invite you on in because you need Jesus and you're not going to impact me. But God says, love these people. It doesn't mean we don't speak the truth, but there's a way to speak truth in a way that is loving and build somebody up. You know, as we redo the website, I'm looking back and saying, who are we really? This church has always been about genuine love and care for other people, which brings them to the place of the gospel. I remember when I was a young Christian, I did not go to church till I was in my 20s. And I came to Gospel Outreach, which was our church at the time, and, and uh, you're all a bunch of freaks. But the people cared for me. They loved us. They invited us over. They would explain stuff to us, what the Bible says and how we live it out. God is saying, be who I have called you to be. Verse 8 tells us, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You know, the next point I want to make is mirrors or Bibles. You know, years ago we did a, we did a Wednesday night meeting by Miles McPherson. It was a series called God in the Mirror. Some people spend way too much looking at themselves. How do you know that? You go on Facebook and you look at how many selfies people take. What is that all about? Me. The thing I don't like about Facebook it moves us away from the Bible very often. I don't care what you had for dinner. 
I don't care how many times your child uses the bathroom. I don't care it's cold at Bill Jacklin's house yesterday. I'm just kidding, buddy. Um, but what am I trying to say? You've got to realize, this is something that takes us off of where we're supposed to be. It freaks me out when I go to restaurants and I see people sitting there on the phone. I like what Pastor Greg Laurie says when he's, when he's in a group and they're on the phone, he texts everybody in his group and goes, hey, let's put the phones down. Vision is important. Without progressive vision, you dwell aimlessly. Logistics are important. The setting is important. But the main thing is that we love people. And that means we reach out to people. That you get over yourself and you, you talk to people. And eventually you tell them about Jesus. You know, Melody was sharing to Andrew Eastman, who comes here late May, early June with his son. Him and his wife were walking through a park, and they saw this elderly gentleman. He's just sitting there listening to his cassette player, the radio, whatever. So they just sit down and they talk to him. There's about 15 minutes. They get up and they walk away. Then Jonathan goes, hey, how are you with Jesus? And the guy was a Christian. They had a good time. Think about it. You talk to somebody, say, Hey, how are you with Jesus? They tell you to get lost, you've done your part. They might ask you a question. We have to love people enough to get over our fear. You know, it's funny, two people in the past week have told me the same thing. You know, I I really didn't think about the fact that we have something the Old Testament people didn't have. We have the Holy Spirit. If you have accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Do you believe that? Are you living that way? Or is fear fear overwhelming you? And I, I deal with it too. I deal with fear too. Please don't hear me wrong. But what I'm saying is that is our identity. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have power. Do I want to see healings take place? Absolutely. Do I want to see other things take place? Not for a sideshow, but healings point people to God, and I want to see God move in a powerful way, and I want to see us as a church raise up and, and use our gifts. When you're in church in the end of the meeting, you see somebody and they get your attention. Just go over and encourage them. You don't know what the Holy Spirit is going to do using you. It doesn't mean you got to talk to them for half an hour, but say, hey, you know what, man? I've been thinking about you. Or maybe tomorrow you're talking to somebody. You go, hey, you know what? God has me alive for a reason today. It's to talk to you. Do you want to know more about Jesus? If they say no, you're free. We can talk about the Super Bowl. We get excited. You NASCAR fans, come on, this afternoon to clash at the Coliseum. Isn't that cool? I love it. Not because I like to watch people drive left for four hours, but it means spring is coming. It means summer is coming, and it encourages me. God is saying, New Covenant, it's time to plant the seeds. You want to, re- you want to reef, reap the harvest, you've got to plant the seeds. But I want somebody else to do it. Well, I want you to do it. 
And so does God. It says God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. You know, the natural urge for a human being is to put yourself first. Last week, Wade spoke about making an impact. Let's make one for Jesus. Let's make an impact for the Lord. And I know we live in a society where being a Christian is less and less tolerated. We live in a state, I pray for our governor, we talked talk about the gun issue, said, prayer doesn't matter, we need laws. <laughs> we need laws. I'm not against some forms of gun control. But don't kid yourself, the more you turn as a society away from God, the more sin reigns. I mean, my gosh, I remember in the 60s going to Morrisville College as a kid downstairs in Hamilton Hall, and they had a rifle team. And I could walk all over um, as an elementary kid, Morrisville College, and nobody shot me. But we have turned our backs on God. My gosh, us old people thought the sexual revolution of the 60s and 70s was great. Look what it's done to our country. Look what it's done to our world. Why? Because we don't allow God to tell us what is what and who is who and what marriage is. Which is between a man and a woman. I'm just adding that because I read this week. Somebody said that and they want to arrest him. Well, go for it. Romans 12.8 says, If possible... So far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. I love to be sarcastic. I can be a so-and-so. Remember, I was the youngest of three brothers. I got this thing down pretty good of being a pain in the backside. But God doesn't want me to be like that. There are times Melody might say something or somebody does something, Maybe I'm talking to you and I got the best thought in my head. But I keep it there, hopefully, because I know it's not going to bring peace. As far as it is with you, debate everybody. No, because debates only solidify other people. It doesn't make them say, whoa, why didn't I think of that? Man, you are so right. If that's the case, we wouldn't have any Bills fans in this room. says the one who's cheering for the Detroit Tigers. Anyways, moving right along. What am I trying to say? Be at peace. Don't argue. I had a friend of mine in college, Bobby. The man wouldn't argue. And it was hilarious. People would get going, get going, and get going. And he wouldn't argue. And they would get madder and madder. Because, they're, 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 especially his girlfriend, they're trying to draw him into this argument. Because, no, you, I, I get it. I see what you're saying. And it would be hilarious. But his thing was, why should I add to the turmoil? Now, don't get me wrong. I am not going to compromise with anybody. You come against Jesus, we're going to have at it. I'm going to tell you the truth. And, you know, but but you've got to look at how Jesus dealt with people. said so he publicans and sinners. That was his life. He didn't freak out. He interacted with them. 
You know, I'm reading, I'm going through the book of Matthew, and it teaches how many people, Jesus teaches how many people are not going to embrace him. They're not going to embrace us. I have come to not bring peace, but a sword. He doesn't want us to fight, but what he's saying is they hate him. So when they find out you're a Christian, guess what? They might not be crazy about you. But that's okay. Don't add to it by your personality or being argumentative, but love people the best way they can. When I got saved, my dad told me, man, you are brainwashed. I've debated. Then I shut up for years. Then I just loved him. I remember when God told me, I want you to call your father and tell him you love him. That should be a pretty normal thing to do. I can't tell you how hard that was. Call my dad up every Sunday afternoon is when we called. I'm hemming and hawing. I, go, oh, I love you, Dad. He goes, eh. <laughs> For months. Eh. And this was a guy who had a genius IQ. He knew more than, eh. Six months later, Dad, I love you. I love you too. I'm the brainwashed kid. My dad went through trouble later in life. I'm the youngest of three. One's a lawyer. Both my brothers are incredibly smart, a lot smarter than me. Who did my father call? Why? Christ in me has to be safe. The world today has a bad view of Christianity because there's a lot of Christians that act like morons. Forgive me. I'm being persecuted for the sake of righteousness. No, you're being persecuted because you're a moron. You say things you shouldn't say. You act ways that Jesus tells us not to act. That is not righteousness. God wants us to build a bridge, not a wall. Too often we do walls. But we need God's grace and God's wisdom. And again, I'm not talking about compromise. I am not going to compromise the gospel. Paul says, I have become all things to all people. So that I might win some. I had some guy work in my house a few years ago. He had to let me know he was in a motorcycle gang. Okay. Let me know. Oh, I talked to people who had never talked to you. And he just kept going on, and he was really proud of the fact that he was, you know, Hell's Angels Part 2. But I just loved him. We just talked. I was able to give him my card and say, you know what, if anything ever happens and you need a friend, here I am. Sometimes I find maybe because I'm a pastor, people like to try to shock me. But I kind of want, you want to hear what I did in my 20s? I can shock you back. I'm not threatened by that. I know who I am. I'm not going to melt or my faith isn't going to be diminished because I talk to somebody who is totally lost. If they don't have Jesus, they're lost. 
they are deceived. And as I said a million times, you can't get butter from a turnip. So when you're talking to somebody who's not a Christian, understand it's okay. Maybe God wants you to sow something. You can disciple an unbeliever closer to God. He may not be, he may not know God, but you can disciple him in a way that brings him closer. The last point I want to make is we need to carry out God's command. First John 4.21, he who has given us this, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. We need faith to live this way. Before I knew Jesus, before I became a Christian, there were some personalities that I could not stand. Well, then I got saved and I really can't stand them anymore. But God lets me love them. Don't look at me like that. You're the same way. You, there's certain personalities that make you cringe. You just don't have the guts to say it. But I've learned to love people. I remember when I was a young Christian, I was at a retreat with a friend, and we're hanging out, and he's, I remember thinking, if you would have told me six years ago, when I was really not living the life, that I'd be friends with somebody like this, I wouldn't have believed it. When I give myself over to God, I don't see this personality. I see a brother and a sister. I am here to bless your relationship with Jesus. And guess what? You're here to bless mine and to bless one another. Well, I want to come to church and I want this to... No, you come to church to give. You never come to church to get. Because the Bible says, give and you shall receive. So we got to come to church, prayed up, be praying, man, God, who do you want to impact using me? And you see somebody, you encourage them, you reach out to them. If I could talk to younger me, I would say, man, you need to be an encourager. Because everybody has either truth or grace. If you've known me for more than eight minutes, you know I'm more truth than grace. But over the years, I've learned to be more gracious, to be more of an encourager. I loved it before I knew, before I was a Christian, that I had the reputation. I would say anything to anybody. I would tell it like it is. And I embarrassed the people that I hurt because I thought I was being straight. If you're in a place where you feel like you're being overlooked, you feel like you're left out, that's God showing you you need to reach out to other people. That you need to say from your place of need, you need to look to be used by God. And another thing is, and I wish we all would learn this, love means you listen first. I have to admit, sometimes I see people here pray for one another, and that's a great, I love it, I love it. But then I see it go on for 10 minutes, and can I say sometimes I want to go over and just break it up? Because when you pray for somebody, you don't pray until you get the answer. That's not what prayer is. If, if I was praying for my wife, I wouldn't pray for her until I knew it was hunky-dory. Prayer for me is I take her to the throne of God. God, move. Then I exit stage right so God can have his way. 
So we need to learn to listen, but we need to be sensitive to the Spirit. You know, I'm doing a Bible study with a couple friends. We went over James 3. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, it's the one that talks about how much trouble your tongue gets you in. Don't you wish more people thought before they spoke? My wife does. In fact, she's saying to me sometimes, most people wouldn't even think that. But you say it. Then I'm hanging out with a friend of mine, Pete Mayer. I said, suddenly he goes, most people wouldn't even think that, but you say it. So I'm thinking God's speaking something to me. Years ago, Pastor Paul Wagner, man, he's the one that told me to, you know, we need to say I love you to my father. Man, he pushed me out of my comfort zone. I hope I push you out of your comfort zone because that's what we're called to do. We're called to look at this together and to go forward. We're all called to be ministers. You know, at the church leadership at New Covenant, man, we're excited about the future. We're praying about the future. We're doing things to get stuff better. We have these little, little, little things, mics, speakers, whatever they're called. But what we're moving forward, but the main thing is we need to change an attitude so we're outgoing and we're looking for people to touch. That when we see people we don't know, we think about their spiritual condition. If they die, are they going to heaven? Are they going to hell? What can I do to make them closer to hell? I'm, excuse me, heaven. You know, I was at a church in Copenhagen that when I got there, it was dysfunctional. It was a hole-in-the-wall church that people really didn't think much of. But over time, we started evangelizing the church by doing a whole bunch of socials, and then we started reaching out to the community, and it was amazing how the community embraced us and appreciated the fact that we loved each other. I remember going to a wedding, talking to this woman. She goes, now, where are you from? I told her, and what do you do? And I told her, she goes, man, your church really loves one another, which told me her saying, yeah, there's not every church is like that. We need to be a church that loves one another. You don't speak about each other behind their back. If they're not with you, then you're quiet, that we need to care. We need to reach out. We don't say, hey, I got a need, but we say, no, I got a gift. Can I help you? The only way the church of the future can move forward is by loving people the way that God tells us to. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, the love chapter. Now these three remain faith. Now faith is really important. Hope, that's important, and love. But what does God tell us? The greatest of these is love. You can have all your spiritual gifts. That's great. You can be gifted out to wazoo. That's fantastic. But if you don't have love, it isn't going to work. One of the things I've learned as a pastor, you love people with talent. You love them with gifting. You love them with character. Character is the most important thing. Too many pastors make that mistake. You have a gift, let me use you. If your character doesn't work, it's not going to work. God is calling us as a church to lay aside ourselves, say, God, here am I, send me. That means at times you're going to do things because it's, in, it's going to be inconvenient, but it's going to be God. You have to know you are eternity builders. So let's close your eyes and pray. Lessons learned, Lord. I would tell a younger me, get over yourself. Lay aside your opinions. 
Lay aside the places where you're selfish. Lay aside the places where as you listen to somebody, you're more fixated on your response than their words. I would say it's okay if things don't go your way. God, you know the places that I look back and I see where I thought that my words and my actions were being true to who I was because I got to be me. But I acted in ways that aren't you. Lord, believers are called to live more and more like Jesus. The powerful dynamic of New Covenant Community Church has been its genuine care and love. I thank you for that. I thank you for the testimony of these people here this morning, Lord. I thank you that you're calling us into a springtime where there's more sun, amen and amen. Where the, the, the winter season, where things have been replenished beneath the surface, where there's been a season of rest. But now, it's a season of sowing, which takes patience. A farmer doesn't plant acres and acres of crops and then turn around and look and say, wow, isn't that something? Because it just looks like dirt. In the springtime, Lord, I get tired of looking at mud and grunge. But I'm excited by what you're doing. Lord, I'm excited by the word that you gave us that, that just a moment that we spend with you or give to you, you embrace that, Lord. Let us know how much you long to spend time with us. And it is so neat, Lord, that you have made each one of us specifically, uniquely, so that we can impact people that you place in our path. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room that you would give us all somebody in the next seven days that we can share our faith with. Thank you for your encouragement, Lord. Faith is important, Lord. Hope is important. Gifting is important. But you tell us the most important thing to you is love. You see, God, you created love, so you understand it better than all. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord to reach the people that you place on our hearts. If we're honest, it's not even people we always necessarily like, but help us to live surrendered lives to you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would bring in those that have a deep spiritual need through these doors and that we would learn to love them where they are at so that we can help by your grace to move them forward in you, Lord. 
Let us not be threatened by opposing points of view. Lord, there's things, if I'm honest, I see on the news and I read in the paper that makes my blood boil. But I know greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. So Lord, let us learn your lesson to love people. As we look at Paul, who became all things to all people, the Jews, he became like a Jew, that he knew his audience and he knew how to interact with them in a meaningful way. Not imposing his will, but surrendering to yours. I just pray for hope, Lord, that you would show us how to move forward and that we would get excited in who you are and who we are in you. And I pray for those that are overwhelmed this morning, Lord. They're in, maybe even in a situation that might appear hopeless. It's never hopeless with you, Lord. Help us to lay it at your feet and walk obedient lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Enjoy your day.